hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Last week, we got the unemployment numbers, and this was a report that everybody was waiting for. We saw that more than 20 million Americans lost their jobs, and the unemployment rate shot up to 14.7%. We have the highest level of unemployment we've had since the Great Depression. And you would think this might be bad for the markets. But the market isn't buying it. It just keeps chugging higher. And the reason for that is you have a central bank backed up by a treasury secretary that's fully committed to supporting the economy. And I've talked about all the programs that the Fed has in place to support asset prices, including outright purchases of bond ETFs, which they started this week. In doing so, they're keeping interest rates low. And that has two effects on the stock market. First is low interest rates, and low interest rates generally mean higher stock prices. Remember, your investment dollars, well, they're always looking for their best alternatives. For example, if you walk down to the bank and you ask the banker to to give you a CD, they would say, well, give us all your money for five years and we'll give you, oh, half a percent a year. Well, you're probably going to turn your nose up and start looking elsewhere elsewhere being the stock market. Another effect it has is the weakening of the dollar. By providing ample liquidity to the financial system, well, they're creating more dollars. And the more dollars there are, the less they're worth. So a weak dollar should boost earnings. Keep in mind that 40% of the S&P earnings come from abroad. So when that money gets converted to dollars, Companies report more dollar earnings. So there are two positive for equities. But what about valuations? The market is trading, I don't know, 22 times forward earnings. And for those of you who don't follow this stuff closely, that means that stocks are probably the most expensive they've been in about 20 years. And first quarter earnings reports are still rolling in, and investors are giving everyone a pass for this quarter. And probably next quarter too. It's kind of like the school system in the county I live in. Grades can't go down. They can only go up. Most most companies have just stopped giving forward guidance. The focus now is on future earnings. And I'm talking about 2021, 2022. For the full year this year, analysts are estimating that the S&P will earn about $130. For next year, they're guessing that earnings come in around $166, so close to a 30% jump. Incidentally, they were guessing $194 a couple of months ago. So the market is trading at about 17 times next year's earnings guess. And that's slightly above the five or 10 year average. Not not by much, just slightly. My, My point here is that stocks may look expensive at the moment. But I don't think they're insanely expensive, especially when you consider all the steps that the Fed and the Treasury are taking. That's not to say that they're cheap either, but there's an old adage. You don't fight the Fed. 
using valuations to judge whether the market is expensive or inexpensive in the short term, well, it's really just not very useful. What it's better for is making longer term asset allocation decisions. And frankly, I don't know if PE ratios are all that useful right now, just because you have no idea of what the earnings part of that is going to be this year or next. What I would look for are the high quality businesses run by good managers that you can own for a really long time. The type of business that has a terrific balance sheet, because balance sheets always matter, a sustainable business model. If you buy those types of businesses, you don't have to worry so much about whether earnings are going to hit the mark next quarter or even next year. You're not owning them for next month or for the next year. You're looking for long-term compounders, or at least I am. And one place you might want to look at is in the restaurant group. And I know this might sound like crazy talk, but with states starting to open back up, I would imagine some of these places start bringing people back in, or at least through their drive-through. McDonald's is one name that comes to mind, simple MCD. And they're trading about $180, paying about a two and three quarter percent dividend. And I'll spend zero time talking about who McDonald's is because, well, we all know them. I think they're probably one of the best positioned in the restaurant group. The reported earning, or they reported earnings a couple of weeks ago. And as I said, I'm not worried about this quarter or next. I'm more concerned about businesses being around over the long term. And I'm fairly sure that McDonald's is going to be around next year and the year after. Part of what I'm looking for here is the quality of the balance sheet. Value Line gives McDonald's an A++ for financial strength, which is the highest you can get. And as of now, McDonald's has about $5 billion in cash and another $3.5 billion of available uh, borrowing capacity. On their conference call, McDonald's noted plans to be careful with non-essential spending in the short run which includes suspending its buyback program, reducing capital expenditures, and temporarily decreasing executive compensation. The CEO and others voluntarily reduced their base salaries through September 30th. While they stopped short of firmly committing to sustaining the dividend, my sense is that McDonald's still plans on paying a dividend for the second quarter, but wants to leave themselves room to continually evaluate as the backdrop evolves. And I don't blame them. But I will note that McDonald's has raised its dividend every year since paying its first dividend in 1976. That's no guarantee, but it does tell me that the dividend is clearly important to them. So I think that sales should start to rise as the economies come back online and people start to get back out and moving around. McDonald's closed 25% of its restaurants globally and only about 1% here in the U.S., mostly in the big malls. But they shut down substantially all the restaurants in France, Italy, Spain, and the U.K. My guess is that over the next three to five years, McDonald's can deliver mid to to high single-digit earnings growth through unit growth, margin improvement, and buybacks. But you could have some up and down along the way, almost certainly will. I think you can slowly add McDonald's here. It's a stock that can probably grow their earnings about 6% over the long run. Then you add in that dividend, and you're looking at a total return of about 8%. And that's not bad 
for a stock that has the defensive properties that McDonald's has. Now, let's move on. Remember last week when I mentioned that Carnival Cruise Lines had announced that they would start cruising the high seas again beginning in August? I'm going to take a pass on the baked Alaska and the Congo lines here, but cruise people love their cruises. Right after they announced that they're going to try and start up again, booking shot up 600%. I don't know if that really means anything because they really probably weren't booking much anyway. But what is telling is that bookings are up 200% compared to last year. And on Hilton's conference call last Thursday, the CEO said that they're starting to see room bookings increase. They went from a low occupancy of 13% to about 23% where it sits now. And they seem pretty optimistic that it'll continue to build in the third quarter. Well, only time will tell. Okay, that's all we have time for this week. We'll be back next Wednesday. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman, and this is Common Sense Investing. Listen to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.